Welcome to today's episode for the science of caring. I'm Dr. John Nelson, and I am going to be sharing with you today about measurement that informs. So in talking about measurement and what I have learned, there are a few things that I want to share with you today. First of all, I want to talk about theory because that's where it starts. The second thing I want to talk to you is about what's called validity. Is it a valid measure? Then I want to talk a little bit about reliability. Is it consistently understood to be about what I think I'm measuring? And then there's another thing that um, people um, don't utilize very much. It's called invariance testing. And that's to see if there's bias in the instrument. So it's theory, validity, reliability, and invariance testing. Those are the four things that I want to talk about. And then I want to wrap it up by explaining why these four aspects of measurement are so critical if you're going to be measuring the complexity of healthcare to inform operations and outcomes. I have been doing uh, measurement in healthcare for about 21 years now. Before that, I was in uh, staff nursing for 11 years. So I certainly understand the dynamics of clinical care. And after I had been working as a staff nurse for about eight of those years, I discovered that I really liked mathematics. So I ended up going back to school to complete my degree in statistics, my master's degree in statistics, and then I went on to get my PhD in nursing. But the focus that I have in my career is really the development of measurements. And that includes uh, psychometric testing, uh, model development, predictive analytics, all these things that are seeking to inform operations and outcomes in nursing. And in order to do that, you need good measurement. So I want to share with you today um, some of the things that I've learned over the years that we do incorrectly in nursing and um, what we might be able to do to better inform operations so that we can change things. So the first thing that I would say is it starts with theory. Um, in school, when I was in school and learning theory, it was this academic exercise. But what I've come to learn that theory is really the underpinning of science. It's And it doesn't have to be a formal theory. It can be even just a hunch. What's your belief? But that's where it starts is why do I think patients are falling? Why do I think this nurse is having a good experience within her job? So it, um, it started for me in measurement in primary nursing. And I really liked doing primary nursing. And uh, that formative care is where um, I take care of the same patient from admission to discharge on my unit. And I get to know that patient very well. I help them care plan. I collaborate with other disciplines, with the family. Um, but the most important part is that I develop that relationship. So every day I come in, I can see if they've progressed, how they've progressed, etc. Now, when I learned that we were going to be discontinuing that model of care, I decided I wanted to find out what kind of measurements there were for showing how primary nursing made a difference in the job enjoyment for nurses, because I certainly enjoyed it. And I found that there wasn't 
really anything out there as far as rigorous research and specifically for primary nursing. So I ended up developing an instrument that measured primary nursing. And the important part in this is that I called the five leaders in primary nursing and uh, at that time, it was the, the books, uh, the, all the articles in the books that I found about primary nursing. These were the names that I found, and it was Mar Marie Manthe, and I did do a podcast and a recording with her, so you might want to look at my podcast to see that recording, and it's also on YouTube uh, with Marie Manthe. <clears throat> Luther Crispin, he was working on primary nursing at Rush University. Um, Kathy Horvath was working at Beth Israel, Joyce Clifford also working at Beth Israel, and then Karen Zander. Um, she was working out east and she's uh, advanced to uh, doing um, case management. But anyway, those were the five big names that I found in the literature. So I called all of them and I had them define for me what they felt primary nursing was. Now, um, Dr. Crispin called it the physician nurse team management model, but it essentially was primary nursing. And Joyce Clifford, I don't remember what she called it, or Karen Zander, uh, I think she called it case management, and that's actually what she ended up doing because she believed you went from the hospital out into the community. So you didn't just have admission to discharge, you actually went into community with that uh, patient as well. But anyway, the important part is that I came to understand how it was generally defined. And so then I worked with those five leaders in nursing to develop the measure. And I said, now, are these the things that it does? Does it, I understand that it is about care planning with the patient and family. I understand it's about collaboration with the um, other disciplines. I understand it's about continuity of care. And I understand it's about a relationship with the patient. Those were the four main things. It was an eight item um, questionnaire, but those were the four main items or um, dimensions of primary nursing. And they all agreed that that is what it is. So then when I developed that, because um, I had a belief, remember, that I thought primary nursing had to do with job satisfaction. Well, then um, the my advisor for my thesis said, well, if you're gonna be measuring primary nursing, as an aspect of job satisfaction, then you have to go find an instrument about job satisfaction. Well, I didn't find any instruments that were measuring the relationship with the patient, so I actually ended up developing a um, an integrative work where I took different scale subscales and then developed this instrument for um, job satisfaction. And at that time, that was in well, I think 1996 that um, I developed this instrument and of job satisfaction, it was like 57 items, and it explained at that time um, about uh, close to 60% of what job satisfaction is comprised of, but primary nursing was in there. And so what this was is that when I said I wanted to measure primary nursing because I think it was an important part of job satisfaction, my hunch was true. I found that primary nursing was very important because when I did my I, when I tested it in I think it was like 336 nurses, I used factor analysis and I found that um, uh, primary nursing indeed was part of job satisfaction. So that's where it starts. It's w what is the hunch? What's the belief? Now before I go on, I should 
mention briefly what factor analysis is. What factor analysis is, it's a complex mathematical procedure where it basically uses matrix algebra. And what it does is, and I said that, for example, my measure had 57 items for job satisfaction. So it takes item one, and then it looks at the relationship that it has with item two, and then item one, and then item three. What's the relationship between item one and four, one and five, one and six? Then it creates what's called a vector or a column of all those relationships. Then it does the same thing with number two, item two and three, two and four, two and five, two and six. And it does that all the way through item 57 until you have all these columns, they're called vectors. And then it looks at all the relationships of the vectors. And so that's called matrix algebra. And what it ends up with, it is it, it ends up explaining to you, and I like to use the analogy of a playground because it's like you've just sent 57 kids out into the playground and you've just examined all their relationships, how they relate to one another. And then you are able to say, okay, these five relate really well together. So you put them in a group. And then you say these eight children played real or really related well together. So you put them into a group and then that ends up being what would be called in uh, uh, subscales or factors within the measure. So in that 57 items that I put together, I ended up with several dimensions or play groups, so to speak, of kids. And um, in, a, in a factor analysis, you can tell them to play together in a certain way because you understand these are going to these ones are going to play together, or you can just say just go and play, and we'll see how you form. And that's what I did. I just say go out and play, and I'll just see how you form uh, in groups. And I found that the eight items for primary nursing all loaded together. I found that the items for relationship with coworkers all loaded together. And that's what you eventually want, but it's utilizing complex mathematics and statistics in what's called psychometric testing to make sure that it fits. And when I um, had the theory that primary nursing was a part of job satisfaction, I went and did a factor analysis and I found that indeed, those eight items were a concept or a subscale of primary nursing, and it was in the play yard of job satisfaction with a number of play groups. So my theory did fit. So that's in a nutshell what um, factor analysis is. And then that, that's um, actually um, brings me into uh, the next important point. I talked about theory, but the next important point is validity. Now, what I just talked to you about in the um, play yard, that's called construct validity. Does it hold together as I think it does? But the theory guided my thinking all the time because I utilized a theory called socio-technical systems theory. And according to that theory, it asserts that if I have a really wonderful environment with the best equipment, with the um, uh, best machines, with the cleanest environment, with, um, you know, it's it's never too hot or too cold, all the things in the environment, but I don't have relationships, I'm not going to like my job. And it goes back to some experiments um, in coal mining where they, uh, these coal miners, uh, it's called the Hawth, it was Hawthorne studies, but in the coal mine, they were 
feeling badly that these men would crawl on their hands and knees to get into these tunnels of coal. And the tunnels were so narrow that they actually scraped their backs. And so they would get the their along their spine, they would have what they called buttons. It was because they kept breaking open. There's, they kept getting these scabs and they called them buttons because it was so tight. And they worked in teams together and they would all do different parts of the coal, coal getting is what they called it. And um, they felt badly that this was such a horrible environment. So what they did is they made the uh, coal getting uh, very clean. Um, they made the tunnels very big. They um, uh, gave them one thing to do all day. So they, um, you know, they just felt that that was the better way to do it. And what they found was is the productivity actually went down, the turnover went up. And what they found was is even though it was a very dirty job, they were with their friends, they were with their team, and they they loved it. They really enjoyed get doing this dirty job with their buddies. And so that's where the sociotechnical system theory uh, was born, that you ne not only need the technical aspects, but you need the social aspects as well. So I believe the same thing is that I need a good teamwork, but it was my patient that I loved the most. So if I can take care of my patient in primary nursing, if I can have good teamwork, if I can have a good manager, all of those social things were important, but so was my professional growth. So was, so was my autonomy. Um, so that's where uh, the, the socio-technical systems theory helped me develop an instrument that I ended up finding was very valid, had construct, uh, construct validity uh, using factor analysis. So, but within the validity, what and what that means is that this measures what I say it measures. So when I say it's about job satisfaction, it's really about job satisfaction. Well, when I looked, I've, I know the job satisfaction literature very well. There's about 106 unique job satisfaction instruments that I have found in the nursing literature around the world. And um, there's no certain instrument that has been tested over and over in multiple countries and multiple organizations. It's we just develop a new one if it doesn't fit our theory. Um, and But then we don't psychometrically test. So the first thing you need to do is you have to say, OK, do I have all the things that I think are important? And I did that. That's called face validity. The next thing is content validity. You give it to some friends and say, you know, I think these um, 11 dimensions are really important in job satisfaction. And here's 57 items that I'm going to measure that. Could you tell me, does this seem to be um, important to you as well for nurses? And that's called content validation. Um, then you can do criterion validation where you would take another instrument of job satisfaction and measure it at the same time as yours. And then, but a really important one though is the construct validation. So um, once you have a tool that is valid and measures what you say it measures, then you wanna make sure that it's consistently measured in your population, that's called reliability. And in reliability, I, it's, you, you, you'll need a statistician to help you with that, but you want to have a, a Cronbach's alpha, that's the most commonly used type of reliability. There's many kinds of reliability testing, but that's the most commonly used. And what it is, is it basically tells you that 
80% of the people that took this survey understand this is about job satisfaction. So if it's uh, less than 80%, and some of them I found are even like 50%. So it's a, it's sort of a, by chance, you're, you're uh, actually measuring what you say you're measuring. So it's really important that you look at the Cronbox Alpha as the most common method of reliability. Is it understood by most of the people that um, take that? And you, there is a method that you can use that if, if it has a low reliability, low Cronbox Alpha, you can actually look have someone look at, it's called if item deleted. So if there's an item that if you delete it, is there a weak item that's causing confusion? Because sometimes you don't have to redo the whole instrument. You just have to take out one poorly worded instrument. So that's used, um, uh, I use that a lot. Uh, most psychometricians, uh, like that's a title, someone that does psychometric testing and I do psychometrics. Um, but anyway, so uh, there is a way to fix it if it is low. And then the last uh, piece for psychometrics um, that is very important, it's called invariance testing. And um, you'll need an analyst for this as well. Um, but it's a way to look at, um, like, and I did this in my large study uh, in job satisfaction in 2019 when I had eight countries. And I used invariance testing to make sure that there wasn't bias in the instrument. So when Slovenia, when, uh, well, China, I'll talk about China. When China, when we found that their scores were really high, I wanted to know, is that because those they really are very satisfied with their jobs? Or is it because there's bias in the instrument? <clears throat> and so... Um, what was interesting is we did the invariance testing and there's scalar metric and configural. There's, those are the three kinds of invariance testing you want to do <clears throat> or have some someone do. But what was important in doing our invariance testing is then that gave us confidence to have a global conversation about the, the data from the eight countries. So when we talked to the um, researcher from China and said, explain to us why your scores are so much higher than the rest of the world. And what we found was they had a brand new hospital. They brought in an educator who helped, uh, uh, they had um, five areas of simulation so that the nurses could actually practice different clinical scenarios in a simulation lab. So if they wanted to do um, treatment of, a, of someone that's in cardiogenic shock, uh, that they could um, do that and then walk that through. So they had all these tools that were brand new, new facility, they were learning new things. So all those things that are important to job satisfaction, um, in contrast to um, something that was not that at all. So that validated that this, that explained to us why it was so high. So anyway, those are the four aspects of measurement that you're, it's important for you to consider theory, validity, reliability, and invariance testing. Now, what this, why this is important is because it will help you put together some complex measures to inform operations. Now, recently we looked at how does caring of self, caring of manager and clarity impact job satisfaction? 
Well, the only way that we're going to really understand that from a empirically sound view is if our instruments have been tested extensively prior to looking at these complex models. It's called a structural equation model. But through that, we were able to find out, for example, if I want to establish clarity of role and clarity of system, I should do caring for self, because caring for self, the coefficient was 0.41 in contrast, and that tells you the strength of the relationship. And caring of the manager was only 0.24. And so that tells me that if I want to help my nurses have clarity, having a caring manager is important because it does help the nurses to think more clearly. But what is even more important is caring for self. So it helps inform me from this model that um, having a program for caring for self will help my nurses be clear. But the other thing that it, it informed us is we looked at the six most important dimensions of job satisfaction, we found that caring for self, the one dimension of job satisfaction that it impacts the most is primary nursing. So it's the nurses that were caring for themselves, those were the nurses that also felt most connected with their patient. And we always talk about that, that in order for you to care for others, you need to care for self. I mean, this is even biblical. But it was interesting to see that actually empirically. And on the other side of that model, we found that the caring manager helped the nurse establish learning, autonomy, a good uh, team, uh, uh, teamwork, and a good communication with the manager. So it, it because our instruments had been so extensively tested, the model made sense to us operationally, but it's helped us helped us. Um, inform us uh, what kind of interventions we should um, implement uh, for um, for refining the work environment. Now, the one thing that I will say, and I find that this is done all the time, I can use that superlative because it's so common, is when we are implementing, for example, a framework of caring or we're implementing something to improve job satisfaction, or we're implementing a leadership program. We go out and we find a measure and we utilize that. And then we try to explain why the scores went up or down or didn't change. Well, it starts with having what's called a specified instrument, a specified, mo specified model. So if my model of measurement, let's say I'm measuring leadership, and let's say I took a leadership program that was from some industry, let's say that it was from a logistics, leadership in logistics, <clears throat> trucking, um, and shipping, that kind of thing. <clears throat> um, and I am implementing a leading and empowered organization, LEO. That's a... Um, Format a program that is utilized, like with in within relationship based based care, they use that a lot. Or another program that I've talked about is the um, Caring Behaviors Assurance System in England. They also use the Leading Empowered Organization Leadership Program. So let's say you go out and you use an instrument that is from logistics, and it measures all these different things, but it's not things that were taught in 
LEO. That's what they call it, leading an empowered organization. They call it LEO. So you use an instrument that is measuring leadership components, but it's not measuring what they were taught, the leaders were taught in their class. So as they are, these leaders are paying attention to the concepts that are being taught in LEO, they begin to evolve, they begin to grow. So they're growing in these aspects of LEO, but you're measuring something that they're not being taught. And then you wonder why the scores don't go up. Well, that's called a misspecified model. You're using a model from another industry and you're not measuring how they're evolving. And so your data will never be accurate. You will you will have way too much error to detect if that leadership program is making a difference. And that would be same with anything that if you're implementing Gene, uh, Dr. Watson's Keratos processes, but you're using some other caring instrument or a proxy, um, again, how the staff are evolving and growing um, needs to be measured. So that's another really important part is uh, model specification. Now, all these things that I've talked about in the psychometric testing and in the model specification are all very important because if you aren't developing the tools and the models to detect change, um, it will be very imprecise. And in order to have um, precision in your measurement so you can dete detect what you're proposing is going to be impacted, these are the things that you're going to have to be um, considering. Now, you may have a weak tool, but there are ways to improve that. And like I talked about one of them through with reliability testing, looking at if item deleted, you can identify if you have a weak uh, weak item. Construct validity, that's the same thing. You can utilize um, the output or an analyst can utilize the output and identify which are the weak items. And sometimes what I'll find is it's a weak item because it is asking, let's let's say it's a, a, a Let's say it's a subscale about coworkers, and all the coworker items are talking about teamwork. And then there's one one question that is asking about maybe something that is, um, I like my coworkers, or uh, I find them socially enjoyable. But it has doesn't have to do with teamwork. So it may, even though it's something about getting along with other people, it's not about what you think you're measuring. So there are ways, if you do have a weak instrument, uh, there are ways to make it more valid, to make it more reliable, uh, to make it. Uh, I'm not sure about less invariant. I haven't uh, worked on long enough with um, invariance. Um, and there's also, you can even improve your theory because once you're, you've uh, utilized your theory, you've looked at your data, and then your results actually can inform if your theory was right or does it have to be refined just a little bit. Now, all of this being said is that measurement is really central in improving outcomes and improving operations as well. Now, I think of, in my book, I talk about the movie Moneyball. And within Moneyball, the there was a team, a baseball team that wasn't doing very well. And what the analyst identified is, that analyst identified, I need a really good catcher. I need a really good third baseman. I need people that can hit and I need people that can get on base. And it 
was what was interesting is that he found players that were good at each of these things because it predicted winning, but he it was the things that people didn't always think of. And for example, one of the big things was he needed people that could not necessarily do home runs, but that could get on base and that could advance in the bases. And so it is important that when you are measuring that you're not always thinking about the big win, but what 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 combination of things within my work environment will make this outcome occur? It starts with your theory. It has to be measured, but it has to be interpreted at the operational level to say, that's exactly what we've been saying. So it's important when you do put your team together so that you can win, that you have the proper measurement and that you have the proper analyst to be able to help you guide that in the measurement process, the model development, and the interpretation of the data. Well, thank you for your time today in listening to my experience of what I view as important measurement. Now, this review comes from 21 years of working with math, with measures, with operations, and with outcomes. So I have lots of stories and lots of experience. And if anyone that's listening to this um, podcast or this YouTube, whatever format you're viewing or listening to, um, feel free to give me a call and uh, talk to me about your situation. I'd be happy to reflect on what I know and see if it helps. So thank you for listening.